So last week we started talking about what our response to racism, um, especially in the the situation in our uh, sorry, just ran. Um, especially in our society, um, we had a little discussion uh, prior to that, and then we started going through the timeline of events, and we started back in 2014, I believe. Twelve, I think. Was it twelve? Um, and so we started with Trayvon Martin. And we talked about how um, racism, of course, is not something new, right? Um, but we started following really the big points of that as far as timeline-wise. We went from Trayvon Martin to um, Black Lives Matter to all the way up to George Floyd. And we talked about how each one built onto the overall narrative, the overall story. That it wasn't just one event that really had this breakout moment um, back in the back in the summer, but rather it was a story that was kept going. And because of what happened to George Floyd, George Floyd had all the elements of that story built into it, and so that's why it became such a huge thing. Um, and so that's what we kind of ended on last week. This week. We're going to talk about some statistics, and like I said last week, I don't know how long this is going to last. It might last. We might finish it tonight. We might have another week um, because this is a brand new thing that we're doing, and so I never know how long these things last um, until after it's done, and then I know because they're done. Um, but we're going to talk about statistics, and the reason why we're doing these two things first going back through the timeline and talking about the statistics is because we need to be as informed as possible um, so that when we're having these conversations, we can cut through the junk of what's being talked about, right? Because the goal of this is not a political discussion, but rather a gospel discussion. As Christians, we need to get past the all the other stuff that surrounds it and get to the heart of the matter, which is their sin, right? And so that's where we want to go. but. <coughs> We need to know. We need to know statistics. We need to know timelines. We need to know the story so that we can, when we're approaching conversations, we're ready for that. Okay. So, uh, any questions so far before we get into this? No? Good. All right. Here we go. So we're going to talk about statistics um, because this is the reality of it. So all these statistics should be in your um, in your papers there. And all of this comes from uh, CDC stuff and um, a bunch of, I give you all of the references as well um, throughout there. They're a little small, um, but all the references are there for every single one of these things, okay? What I have found when people will, every conversation where someone brings up numbers, I have a list of numbers in my phone of like, I have folders. And each one has different articles or different things on different topics. And whenever someone brings it up, I, I bring it up. I say, okay, this is what the statistics say. Let's talk about them. You know, if they want to talk about numbers. So it cuts through the junk, right? Mm -hmm. So this is um, overall stuff. I believe this is from the FBI, but it's not, that's not the um, reference there, I don't believe. Um, but these are based on FBI numbers. And this is, um, it's, it's, no, it's the corrections, right? It's the correction numbers. Um, 
So this is overall stuff. So all offenses, and it gives race, right? And these are all in percentages, uh, because I think that's a little easier to comprehend than the actual numbers to help us kind of just put it into perspective. So all offenses, you have 70% of all offenses are done by uh, white, in that white category, okay? Um, then you have uh, black is 26, Indian is two, Asian is two, and that's, a, that's all they give. Okay, so they don't give uh, Hispanic in this grouping. They just give these um, for whatever reason. I don't know the reason, they just don't give that number, okay? But for what we're talking about here, we're talking about, um, really we're focusing on more of the black and white issue, right? Um, rather than society as a whole. And you get the, the terminology, the POCs or people of color. We're not really going into all of that. We're just kind of focusing on the, the core of what's happened rather than the, the whole scope of it. Because I think once we understand that, we can deal with the, the whole scope as well. So these break them down into murder, rape, robbery, aggravated assault, burglary, larceny. And if we can just go down C, and you can kind of compare um, that the two biggest categories are white and black, right? As far as um, of, uh, of crime. And so this just goes through, so you have all of this. It's just going through that whole thing, all right? Now for the most part, you can see that um, the white category has more of the offenses, right? For the most part. Um, there are a few other ones. Murder or um, manslaughter there, you have 51% is higher. Uh, same with robbery, okay, that is higher. Um, everything else though is higher. But I want you to notice the, the percentage, okay? For the most part, it hovers for, uh, for the white category, except for murder and robbery, it hovers so far around 70%, okay? Usually between 65 and 70%. That's important for later. Okay, so I just want us to recognize that. Uh, we continue on, and we keep, keep going down again, it's roughly the same, right? Except you get down, it's in the 60s now, um, and then we get the weapons, um, prostitution, advice, uh, 56, 51, drug abuse violations, 71, uh, but it's still within that 60 to 70 range, okay? So it's a little lower, maybe a little higher on the, the black category, okay? We get to this point, uh, we see a huge thing in driving under the influence of DUIs are higher among, um, in the white category. Um, and then, so gambling, this is like crimes with gambling, so legal gambling, that type of stuff. So it's not gambling, right? But it's just uh, crimes associated with it. And then you can, so, but it's still really in that, that, work, that area, right? You have a little blips up, a little blips down, but it's roughly in that same area. Um, and it's really consistent also across the map, um, except for things like drunkenness, um, disorderly conduct, liquor laws, those things, uh, offense against um, children. You see kind of a, a, a blip in the Indian community, but not, it's not huge, right? It's not like a spike. Right, it's just like a little blip and then it continues on. Um, and so, um, man, you're late in your phone. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
But and then you go down here, right? And you continue to you see that same thing, right? Yeah. It's the same stats across the board. So it's really it's a consistent thing that we see that crime is consistent in this area as far as within that those numbers. Okay. So now this is what why we need to know those numbers, okay? Because this is where it becomes an interesting thing. So 13.4% of the population is black and they make up about 26% uh, of all crime. So if we took an average of that, that crime, right, it becomes 26%, okay? So 13% of the population makes up 20% of overall crime in the United States. Now that's a huge thing, right? Whereas Americans are 76.3% of the population and they make up approximately about 70% of the crime, which that actually makes sense, right? About 76% of the population, about 70% of the crime. That makes kind of sense, right? Um, and so this is a question that's really important. Why then is 20% of crime from 13% of the population? And this is the where the conversation goes, right? This is what we start talking about. And so, um, so the question becomes: Black Americans do more, commit more crime at a higher rate. High, that should be higher rate than other groups. The question is why. So um, now this is where the conversation goes because on one side you have it's because of systematic racism. We'll get what that means in a bit, but it's about a system that is inherently racist, and that's where the conversation goes, right? Okay, so if that's where the conversation goes, now the question becomes, is that true, right? And so as, as believers, we should always stand up for justice, right? And so that's actually why we went through the, the scriptures early, right? We went through all the scriptures, like Micah 6, 8, um, James, we went through all these different scriptures to talk about. So as Christians, we need to step back and say, okay, why, what is the problem? And if we're hearing people saying, well, it's because of systematic racism, okay, so now the question is, is that true, right? And so the, the idea behind that is there are laws or there's institutions behind these laws that are creating more to, to throw off the crime. So cops are racist, right? Um, there's more um, laws that focus on inner city, inner city crime, or um, if you're in a rural area and you get busted for a DUI, you get let go. But if you're a black guy, you know, if you're white, but if you're a black guy, you would get arrested, right? So this is this is the thought process behind the systematic racism, okay? Now, the problem is though, if we just look at the, those statistics, we're not seeing the whole picture, right? And so we're gonna continue to talk about this. So let's talk about the whole blacks are pointed out. And one of the things that is talking about now is that they're killed, right, at a higher rate. And so in this whole idea of systematic racism, this is what's going on. And so this is just more data. And so approximately 7,300 7, black homicide victims per year, okay? 
So in 2019, there have been 14, or there were 14 unarmed black men who have been shot and killed by police. So this is 2019 numbers. It's hard to get you know, the most up-to-date because usually everything's a year behind um, reporting because that's usually how you work, right? You report on, and so for those numbers to get out. Okay, so 14, so out of the 73, 14 were unarmed black men that were killed and shot by police, okay? So that means that 99.8% of all black homicides are done by non-officers, okay? And that's, that puts into perspective at least one aspect of what, you know, higher crime, right? Because we would think, or we, would, we should be able to see that as um, black crime is higher, right? The, the 26 to 13, right? That population of crime number. We should actually see a higher number of black individuals killed by police officers as well. Right, you would think that that would be a part of, and this is why it's important to look at statistics, just to see, now statistics aren't perfect, right? They don't tell the whole story, but it helps us understand the picture and gives us, if we take a lot of statistics, we start seeing commonalities. And that's why we're looking at these different types of statistics. And so what we're seeing here is we're actually seeing that almost, you almost have what they call a non-number, right? Um, the non-numbers like this. When we talked about abortion a couple weeks ago, we talked about rape and incest numbers, and that was 0.15%. That's almost a, a non-number in the sense of statistics uh, because it's such a huge gap, right? And so we're seeing that kind of the same thing. It's such a huge gap. Um, so, but another interesting thing about this is the Washington Post started a database back in 2015 to map these incidences of unarmed uh, black individuals being killed by police. And what they found is actually 60, by 2019, it was down by 63%. So instead of seeing an uptick, which that the narrative, right, we talked about the story is that they're just being killed, that black individuals are just being killed by cops, and it's just like skyrocketing. But actually what we're seeing is actually a decrease, and a, a significant decrease as well. It's not just one or two, it's, a, it's over half of the original numbers are going back down. And so um, that is one of those other interesting things. And continue talking about uh, policy and uh, policing, this has happened by Gallup back in June. They released these numbers. And so, um, come on in. You don't want that chair. Because <laughs> our traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're over in Phoenix. Eh? Um, and so, what's interesting, so this is just a series of things. Another part of the narrative is that um, since so the first part of it is police brutality, right? Talked about that. Um, therefore, disband the police, right? And it seems like it's a, um, that everyone's on board with that, right? Or it, if you follow the, the news, right? Um, and so Gallup did this poll and they asked several questions and so we're gonna go through those. Uh, would you rather the police spend more time 
the same amount of time or less as they currently spend in your area. Okay, and this broke it down between black, white, Hispanic, and Asian. And you can see black Americans say um, between more and same, right? So if you put those two numbers together, 61 and 20, that's 81% mm -hmm. saying at least the same mm -hmm. or more. That's a huge difference than disband the police, mm -hmm. right? And that's a, that's a big thing. Now you do have about 20%, 19, right? Saying, no, get rid of them, right? But the majority, and this is really important, that we understand that when we're talking to people and as we engage with this conversation, this isn't a, a black and white thing. It doesn't matter who the person is. As we engage in this, if they go, if they say things like, well, the majority of people want to disband the police. Actually, they don't. They want more, mm -hmm. more time in the community. Um, and so this is important. So this is just that, that what we just said. 81% of black Americans want police either to stay at the current levels or spend even more time in their communities, okay? And then only 19% Americans want less. And so that's all we're talking about. So we already said that, um, but that's what we're kind of talking about here. All right, so how about frequency of seeing local police. Okay, so this is how often do you see police in your area? Now for me, the, the majority of the time I see police officers is when I'm driving down the road, right? It's the, the sheriff going by, it's the, um, the only times I actually can engage with the police here in town is when I have to deal with an issue that pertains to something that's going on. So I've had three conversations uh, because of youth. I've had um, one meeting with the police in the town for uh, when we first got here. Um, I had one because of a, a parent, and I have, uh, well, two because of a parent. Um, they were doing dumb stuff, and so. So for me, that's it. That's my interaction with the police, right? And so that's what this question is. How often do you see police in your community? Now, and it's specifically asking black Americans, okay? So they, so they see police very often or often. Um, do they want to? This is a want, right? Um, so they want, 10% say more. So they want to see more police. Um, 56 say, or um, more time, very often. So 10% say we want to see them more often. 56 say, same about amount of time, and then so you go see, they sometimes <coughs> see the police, rarely or never see the police, okay? All right? So, they see, yeah. Yeah, so. I'm curious to what um, states, what cities, what communities, that would be a good question. Yeah, because yeah. where they where they ask this? Yeah, yeah, because this is this is in urban settings. These aren't rural settings, so I know that much. But as far as which cities, I can't tell you. I'd like to know the nineteen percent. How many of them had uh, run-ins with the police? Well, that's an interesting. I think we actually talk about that. Um, 
but walking away from that information, it's just the solution that they're saying is more police active active in the in the community, not less. And so uh, several years ago, we took the youth to go see or to go into Watts, and the police station was actually where the church was. There was a, a freeway overpass, and then it was on the other side. You could walk to the police station. So right where Watts is, and Watts is not a city, it's a district kind of, it's just a, a neighborhood. And this police station was huge. I mean, this thing was gigantic. And so they built it specifically in that spot to be more involved in the community. And so um, what was interesting is I never saw a police officer in the daytime. They only saw them at night. And so they were more active at night. And they were, which would make sense, right? Um, and I know in some communities in, in Washington State, they've done away with the large police houses mm -hmm. and they've put mm -hmm. smaller ones throughout in different communities where, um, mm -hmm. I, I, I know, for, like in, in Wenatchee in Central Washington, they put one in, in the college because mm -hmm. we had so much problem. And, and so they, you know, disband, they were doing away with the large facilities and putting right. them, putting them into smaller, so they could be in the community. Right. And they had a very strong presence mm -hmm. in, in the community, so. Yuma has three Walmarts, <clears throat> and the thievery is so bad, they close them at 10 or 12 at night. One, the one in, uh, on, uh, The west side of town, the very west Walmart, has a satellite police office there, and they stay open 24 hours, but they lock up all the cosmetics and stuff like that because uh, uh, that's where all the uh, Mexicans come to get on their bus to go out to the fields. And there's a Wells Fargo there. And I woke up in the morning and looked out the window, and they were lined up around the Wells Fargo building, like hundreds of Hispanics waiting to cash a check. Well, and I saw it. I, I said, uh, I walked up to the Wells Fargo lady when I. Everybody got in and says, are you having a run on the bank? Mm -hmm. And she says, no. Said, this Wells Fargo does more business than any in the state. Mm -hmm. Just because of that. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Um, all right, let's go to the next one. So, are black Americans more or less confident in receiving positive treatment from police? Um, and so you see that 12% say not at all. So they see it as not, and so kind of going back to your question, uh, not exactly, you know, how they were treated, but you can see that um, about, was that 39% will say that they're not too confident, too not at all confident. So about 39%, so that's a large chunk of the population 
that says they're not confident in being treated well by police officers. Okay. Now that all this is again, this is perceived. Okay. So that's an important thing, right? This perception is, but if we look at all these statistics, that 39%, that's within how many people are, are, are crime stats, right? If we go back to those crime stats, that within that 25, 20 to 20 to 30 range um, are those crime stats, right? So if we go all the way back, up. So, right, we go back here. For the majority, look at those crime stats. So we have those blips, right, that 51, 53, but look, 26, 33, 29, 30, 29, 25, 31. It's within that kind of range of crime. And when we get down here, it's that same kind of confidence level. So going back to Bobby's question about how they encountered, it's almost like they parallel. Now, can we make a direct correlation? No, but it's just interesting. It's one of those interesting things as we look at statistics. Okay. So, um, but then again, you do, one of the things that we do have to notice here is there is, from a, a white perspective, right, more confidence in the police than it is in any other category, right? So that is an important thing, all right? So we need to recognize that. We do need to recognize things that are there, okay? So. But one of the last things is overall, you actually have a very high rate of confidence in the police, right? 40, 48% of all, so, and that's mostly because you have, I mean, look at that, 56, 40 for white and Hispanic. That's, those are pretty high numbers, right? But even then you drop down to that somewhat confidence. And within white and Hispanic, 35, 37. And in black, it's 43, right? Asian Americans is 54. So it's, it's really interesting that you have such a high number of at least somewhat confident. So it's not as if um, everyone is against police, right? That's what we're trying to show here, yeah. I wonder how much of that is perceived. You know, well, all of this Europe, is the news, and they, so they make these assumptions, and so that makes your... Right, well, the polls are always perceived. Yeah, it's not necessarily based on any actual numbers. Um, where that's why we gave the statistics first, right, of some mm -hmm. of the stuff. But this is all perceived. And so, but we need to take this and kind of, and kind of put that against the numbers and see what we're, what's actually happening. So, and we can kind of see that within that no confidence and within that crime rate, it's very similar. So people that, and this is just a, um, a hypothesis, right? 
that the more you're into crime, the less likely you're going to view police officers in in good light. That's true. Right. But again, though, the the thing here, though, is we have seventy percent of crime done by whites, right? But we don't see that actually reflected in the perception. Okay, so this is one of those things that there has to be more, right? There has to be something else going on. That there is a <laughs> cultural thing here as well. Okay, so so these are this is why we're looking at statistics, right? It's not just to see, but we actually see. What it? What are the reasons behind the perceptions that we hold, right? So there has to be other perceptions, other things going on than just okay. So if seventy percent of the crime is done by whites, but roughly if we go go back there, right? We have oh that's over seventy percent of the white category saying they're so, at least somewhat confident in the police handling, right? So that's over that number, okay? Where it's the reverse, right, or the other side. And these are just, again, observations. There's nothing, we can't say that these are correlations, right? Okay, this one means that you're, you're smirking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was gonna be a statistician, so I, I know all of that. Yeah, yeah, so you gotta be real careful mm -hmm. that you don't take a stat and say this is Right. It's not gospel. It's not. It really isn't. It's all they're there is to kind of help us kind of get an idea and start asking better questions. Right? And that's really what we should never look at a stat and say that stat is gospel, right? But rather, okay, here are some statistics. How's that help me better have better questions, better conversation than I had before? Right, because telling someone, well, the black crime rate is way out of whack. So something's wrong with you, you blacks, right? That you have a problem. That doesn't help anything, no. right? Instead, okay, why? Why is that crime rate so high, right? That's a huge thing. I have a question. Yeah. yeah. If the white crime rate is higher, but yet whites have a higher Expectation of police. Not expectation. Well, but rather confidence. Confidence. Okay. Yeah. So could that possibly be because some people know that if they break the law, they deserve something? And well, some people might think so they're, they're being picked on. Okay. So there. So and so the answers to the question, right? So are so if you're in the black community, what we're hearing is that it's because systematic racism. Right. That's why. Right. So you're white, so you can have more confidence because you know you're not going to get in trouble. No, I, I, yeah. well, that's what they're perceiving. Yeah, so that's a perception. Right. Right. Um, from the other side of it, I've heard, um, well, it's because you guys don't have respect for authority. So white people don't have respect for authority. Like that reasoning. Okay, so we can start hypothesizing, but once you say this is the reason, we're not taking everything into account. And so that that's the problem, is that the whole conversation is really built on perception, right? And not looking at every single 
aspect because this is such a huge thing, right? So if, if police, if there's police brutality, is it, and then, so let's say, let's grant that right now. Okay, let's just say uh, there's police brutality and specifically against black individuals, right? So if we grant that for the sake of argument, now you have to ask another question. Is it because they are black, right? Is it a, a race issue at this point? Or is it a economic issue, right? Even when you grant one thing, it still opens you up to a whole slew of other possibilities mm -hmm. that you need to ask. And so when we're just starting at the beginning, we're at this huge point. And for anyone to say it's because of this is not looking at the entire thing. There's too Honestly, many variables. Yeah, there's way too much variables, and we're actually seeing that right now. That's why we're going through all these different things. And my experience is being a country boy outside of Chicago, you get a ticket in Chicago, you give them a license with a $20 bill. This was back in the 1960s. So um, that's, but if the black guy got it, then he probably, you know, I don't know what they did. But then, forty dollars. The, the, it's possible. Jail. So it's possible. The town of DeKalb, mm -hmm. in ten miles from where I grew up, was population forty thousand people. There was not any black people in it. The next town over, Sycamore, took all the black people. DeKalb took the uh, hillbillies and the whites, and the other town took all the blacks. So I was in a literally white community. I didn't know a black person until I got. Uh, high school. Mm -hmm. I didn't know interaction well. And so, and now I live in Atlanta. Well, that's a different culture altogether. There was a town called Forsyth, Georgia, and that's a county. And the sign said, the county road sign there, and this was back in the 80s, said, don't let the sun set on you in Forsyth County, which meant there was no blacks after dark in Forsyth County. And Oprah Winfrey did a program from Forsyth County to give them a black eye for doing that. So, you know, it's, it would be interesting if you were a police officer trying to get your education and get a master's degree to do all this for nationwide and say where you could make, like say statistics say whatever you wanted, if you were in New York, Atlanta, Chicago, or right. Chicago, Illinois. Well, and so we're not going back into the whole history of the United States, but there are Jim Crow laws, or there were Jim Crow laws, or there has been, and when we get to um, the definition of systematic racism, there really has been. Um, we're not getting into that, but there really, I mean, Systematic racism is, the, the concept is that there are laws put in place by governments to be racist. And there has been, right? Segregation, I mean, those laws are based in race. Um, and so, but we're not going back that far. And the reason why is because we're dealing with the, the conversation as it is now. Now, we can do that, we can go back um, but we'll be going back 500, 600 years. But there's still no blacks in the town I grew up in. Oh, really? It's only a population of 2,000. 
but there's not a black family in there. Well, I think you might be able to find one if he was there for a while and he didn't, you know, he was such a minority, he's, you know, he left with his family. The next town over took the blacks truck drivers. So. Well, there's, a, there's still places, I mean, Quartzsite is not. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, at one point there was only two black men in the town of Quartzsite. And one was Curtis, and he was coming here. Um, okay, Curtis. He lives over in Black. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, let's get back to, to this. Um, so, what we're seeing, okay, so 61% say they're somewhat to very confident, while 39% say they're not too confident to, to not at all confident, all right? So, um, question um, or an idea here is an increase in police presence and good police encounters is helping the community can, uh, can increase the view of positive treatment, right? So better, and this is, this is actually one of the reasons why, uh, so us as a family, my family, we've taken our kids to meet police officers. Um, we meet, took our kids to meet firefighters. Um, this is why in a lot of schools, they have the firefighters come to the schools, right? And then they go through the, all the stuff, they go through the, the truck and they look at all that stuff or um, um, we've taken our kids to go to the um, the fire station mm -hmm. right and the reason why is because the more you're around something the more comfortable you are with that mm -hmm. right um, and so so this idea of actually more police and more good police interactions right instead of um, so there's tons of videos that were going around of like one police officer, um, some black kids were shooting baskets and he came out because they got a noise disturbance. Instead of kicking the kids off, right, he just talked with them and played basketball with them. And, you know, it was a bit, it was a good positive encounter. And so um, we see that, right, as encounters are good, the view of someone is also good. Right, so if you go into a city, so I've, I've been to San Francisco tons of times. I hate that city. Um, I, I love the wharf, it's a great area. I love the attractions. I hate the city because one time I was driving down one of the ridiculous roads and people are turning left and that's where I need to go. So I turned left. I got pulled over, and the cop said, you can't turn left here. <laughs> I said, really? And he says, yes, there's a sign. I said, where's the sign? He showed me the sign. It's like this little tiny sign, <laughs> but there's all these things around it. Right. <laughs> and so I hate that city because, but your, your encounters with that, right, your own personal encounters, and that's what all these are. It's, yeah. it's that per perception. All this is perception. And so... Does it matter that out of that 7,800 fatalities, black homicides, that only 14 were done by police officers? No, because as we, as we see that, that encounter rate is so high, and so that feeds into it. When you have almost half of your community not liking a group because of the encounters, already there's a skewed perception, right? So that's a huge thing. 
All right. So, um, so this comes from a, a different thing. So overall, um, overall, 15% of overall Americans are in favor of abolishing the police. So this is all Americans. Okay. Only 15%. This is done back in July of 2000. Uh, back in July, right? That time period. So that's a huge thing to put in perspective, first off. Only 15% are interested in abolishing the police, okay? And here are the broken down. So you have 22% black Americans, 20% Hispanic, 12% white, okay? So, but it, again, it's pretty high within uh, minority groups, right? That's pretty high, all right? I'm gonna keep going. Um, this is broken down into political sides, all right? So 27 are Democrat, 27% are Democrats, 12% of independents, only 1% of Republicans. Okay. Yeah, if you know politics, this isn't a surprise, right? Okay. What's interesting here though, look at the, for age groups, 30, 33% of 34 and younger. That's a huge thing. Okay, so when you take that with the other ones, it seems like the younger you are, the more likely, well, yeah, uh, but the more likely you are going to view police as something that needs to be disbanded, right? That's what we see here. Because they're always giving me tickets when I was 18. Yeah, really, and you know what? Okay, so, for, yeah. So when I was 16 years old, I was driving down um, the road out of my town to go to school because I, I went to school about an hour away. And my truck was a, just a piece of junk. It was a Dodge 50 and it had a Mitsubishi engine in it. It was a piece of junk. It, if it got up to 60 miles an hour, the whole thing starts shaking to where, and I would, if I wasn't careful, I could go off the road. A sheriff pulled me over and said, you are going 65 in a 55 miles an hour zone. And I said, I, w I know I wasn't, because if I was going 65, I'd be in the ditch. There's no way that my vehicle can do that. I got a ticket. Mm -hmm. That same year, I was driving back on the other side of town. Mm -hmm. It was 11 o'clock at night. I had a job, so I went to school. I lived in Ion, California. I went to school in Stockton, California. I worked in Sacramento, California. Mm -hmm. I was um, driving back home at night, 11 o'clock at night. At this point, I'm 17 years old, so I had my birthday, right? And um, on my way back, and I get pulled over by local PD, and I said, why are you out so late, you know? And mm -hmm. you have a light out. Here's a ticket. The two times, okay, I have one more story. Um, I am a little later, I'm driving down, and I'm, I'm a nice guy. Um, I'm driving down the road, and someone has their flashers on, right? I'm coming home this time from school. I'm going the opposite way from my school. It's it's about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. We had a baseball practice, and so I was coming home late. And I come over this hill, and there's a car off, and it just has flashers on. So I thought, oh, something's wrong. This is the middle of nowhere, right? Before There's no cell phones or anything like that. And I pull over. 
and I pull in front because you pull behind and it kind of freaks people out. So I pull in front so they could see me. I go to get out and these lights come on. Uh -oh. What are you doing? I saw the flashers. I'm, I'm a sheriff. I don't need your help. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. Yeah. So the three times I encountered officers <laughs> was always bad. And so for years, I'm like, I don't like something else but in that that age group she figures that okay from majority of people at least in the past by the time you're 34 you're pretty much out of college mm -hmm. so you you get to where you're under mom and dad's rule so you're policed right. by your folks mm -hmm. And then you go to college, and you're still told by older people what to do, when you're doing it, and how you're doing it. Right. So you're sick to death of being policed by all these know-it-all adults. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I truly, I'm surprised it's not higher. Yeah. Well, and and then about in your 30s, you you started your family. Mm -hmm. Right, and you become the police. You're the police one now. <laughs> right. yeah. And you start, but you start recognizing, mm -hmm. right, that oh yes, we need police. Right, we need. Wow. There is and, a purpose. Yeah, <laughs> but as you know, there's a um, there's a there's a old saying, right, that if you are not a, a liberal when you're young, you have no heart, right. But if you're still liberal when you're older. You have no brain. <laughs> right? There's that. And the reason is they say that is because when you're young, your passion, right? Your passion takes over. Sure. Um, and if you're not passionate, something must be wrong with you, right? Yeah, like when I was in Marine Corps, I was in MP. So since I've been here this winter, I've had several guys with my Marine Corps hat ask me what I've done. I said I had a job everybody loved. Everybody loved me. So I've done a total what I was. <laughs> yeah, right, we loved it, right? Because <laughs> they were 18 to 25 years of age, you know, in that rebellious age. And so they didn't like us NPs at all. <laughs> and so it's, it's really, it's not so much about police, right? This is a common thing within that age group of authority, of authority just being mm -hmm. against authority. It's just a part, really, it's a part of life. And so, as, I mean, this is getting off topic a little bit, but in our society, we've We've indulged that, right? We've indulged being rebellious longer than it has been in the past. And one of those reasons, I think, uh, is because we've pushed back uh, marriage to later and later, and so you don't have the, or the responsibility. Men aren't as responsible as early, right? And in fact, in other ancient cultures, men were in their late 20s to 30s before they could get married where women were in their you know late teens um when they got married because the men had to be mature enough for that relationship so <laughs> you when you talk about san francisco we the last time we were in san francisco they were doing the, the sitcom streets of san francisco oh. and older people that mm -hmm. well we, we were there in san francisco and we, there was a shootout going out. And I go, oh, they must be filming. 
And so my wife and we were all, wow, they're filming. We reached San Francisco. And then we found out the next day it was a real shootout. Oh, <laughs> we had a cell phone. Or yeah. <laughs> that was before a cell phone. I know. <laughs> okay, could you say that again? How, how did you say that? If, if you're not liberal when you're young, when you are liberal. Yeah, if you're not, if, yeah, if you're not liberal when you're young, then you have no heart. If you're still liberal when you're older, you have no brain. You have no brain. No brain. Yeah. No brain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's you know that's that's just a, that's, a joke. Uh, cultures yeah. through the years have yeah. had true. True, a rite of passage for yeah. males. Mm -hmm. You know, so you are you are a child. And then you have a rite of passage, and you're a man, and you know you're a man. You're treated differently as a man. Now there's no rite of passage. You just kind of this child for however long. You're this child, really. Right. And you yeah. both so there's never it. so there's never a point where people respect you as a man. Yeah. Through this rite of and passage. So when we get to the end of this, I think that is a huge thing. Is manhood. Uh, I think the problem with society is manhood. Right. Um, and and so yeah, and and yeah. There, so there's not, there's really no point of this clicking, right, over, where it's, I'm a child and now it clicks over. But, but it's just interesting that we see that uh, within these age ranges. And then uh, when you get to 50, right, then it really drops, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it cuts in half um, at 35 which is a really interesting thing. It's not a gradual decline. It's not like, you know, 35 and then it's like, I don't know, 25. And then, you know, it's 33, bam, 16, bam, 14, you know, and it's no, this, four. Oh, four. Four. yeah, sorry, four, four. <laughs> yeah. So it's a huge, like, um, just drop. And so, but that's just one of those things that again, this disbanding. Um, so why is there such a disconnect, right? Like for your generation um, and my generation, why is there this huge disconnect? Well, uh, what would be interesting is if we would have these same statistics back in the 60s. Yeah. You know, that would have been interesting mm -hmm. things because back in the 60s, it was all about the man, right? That idea. Um, and so it'd been interesting if we had those same statistics, which we don't. Um, because no one was asking these questions. I don't think anybody even thought about trying to get rid of the police back then. Well, I'm sure there was, but I don't think it was on the, the scale. On the scale of government. Right? Yeah, yeah, the criminals I, might have been, but... Um, Seattle's defunded the police. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I live in Washington, and it's like... And they're trying to... And, and in quite a few other places over there in Washington. And they were trying to defund the police over there in Snohomish. Well, they, yeah, they did that. in Capitol, Capitol. In where? Up at, um, in, up north of, no, um, in uh, Capitol Hill. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have, where they had, yeah. they have no police there. I can look it up. <laughs> well, but, so, um, and going, so if we were going to do a history of this, we could probably trace this back to the 60s. I know we can trace it back earlier. But as far as like a big political movement, probably in the 60s, we actually start seeing those things um, with the clashes, right? And places like Berkeley and- Yeah, Kent State. In, yeah, in rural America, where, like, where we live, everybody has great respect for policemen 
you know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like our uh, county seat is like 2,900 people. And so most towns are like 200 or 300 or 500, 600. And uh, we were going to uh, come back from the basketball game and I was so hyped up because our team was playing uh, teams that uh, for our pastor, pastor that his sons played there. <laughs> our friends played against it. So we and we, I was so hyped up. I was going through town, and I didn't realize I was going 45 and 25. The police officer pulls me over, Ooh. and he goes, "Going a little fast, aren't you?" I go, "Yeah." I said, "We just come back from basketball." He said, "How did the basketball game turn out?" He <laughs> says, "We won." I said, "We won." And I said, "I'm so hyped up, I can hardly, you know." Right. He says, well, just slow down from now on, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I had a conversation with uh, a guy not too long ago about representative government. And we talked about how when the founders first start, you would know your representative. Like, you would actually know them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you would know your congressperson. Absolutely. A good, yeah. Um, you'd actually, you might play on the same team for that right. type of thing, maybe mm -hmm. not back then, but just the idea of you would know them. Same with in more rural areas, you know, like I knew a lot of the police officers in town mm -hmm. sure. because they're my father, they're my father's friends or my, my friends, dads, mm -hmm. you know, but when you start getting to the city, mm -hmm. who is this person? And here in Quartzsite, a lot of the police officers don't live in Quartzsite. They used to. Um, we, when I first got here, I've met all the police officers. I knew all of them by their first name. Now, three of them live on the house. Yeah, so I went right on well, the street. Well, they rent. They rent. Well, yeah, yeah. but yeah. this guy won't sell his house. Yeah, but do they actually live here, or do they? No, they're okay. They're they're there. Good. Their families and everybody are with them. Well, no, no I don't it's think so. Three three single guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. And a girlfriend, but yeah, but for a while they're is that the state uh -huh. police? No, no, we're town police. Where is it? Yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking town police. Yeah, the state police they have buildings. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's two little sections for them, and they they, they live there because they're waiting to get seniority. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, but that you know, it's hard when you don't know your police officers. Yeah. You know, and the bigger the city, the the less you will because and most people want to live in a safe area, right? So police officers they go into what they feel is more dangerous. And so they live somewhere else. But right? it's also detrimental to the police if they don't know the people around them. Right. Yeah. And so there. So again, when we're talking about this issue, we've already brought up a lot of per, other parts of this issue, right? That isn't race issues, right? And that's a huge thing. Just a couple of weeks after that George Floyd thing, we were in downtown Coos Bay, Oregon, and they had. Uh, a block area of people on both sides saying we support the police, we like to, and they had flags for the police, they had the, the stars and stripes, and I mean, and people were honking the horn and giving the thumbs up, and it was really nice to see. And so it was, like I say, it was right downtown, and you know, it was where the traffic light every every block, and, and so it was, you know, you're only going 12 miles an hour. Yeah. Well, and then another thing we, we should look at is the the, pol the politics here, right? Um, Democrats and Republicans, so we'll just, we'll just focus on those two. 
um, have different yeah. belief structures in the in mm -hmm. sense of what their goals are, right, usually. Mm -hmm. Now, you do have, again, you have ones that are conservative Democrats, you have mm -hmm. liberal Republicans, right? But in general, if you take the party stats or the party mm -hmm. uh, beliefs, they're very different than each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so that also plays into it. So it's not just, so we have age that's playing here. We have um, ethnicity that's playing in here, right? We have uh, politics that are playing in here. So there's more to this conversation than just black versus white mm -hmm. or people of color versus uh, police or, you know, there's a lot more going on in here. And as Christians, we need to recognize that. Well, yeah, um, and for, for me saying, you know, Christians, it brings in the moral aspect. Yeah, there's a whole other part yeah. to it. Yeah, it's huge. So there's so much more to this conversation than just what, especially what's in the media, mm -hmm. right? Sure. And so this is one of those things that at the beginning we talked about, you know, not being pulled into a, a pure political thing as Christians. We're trying to get people to the gospel. We're trying to share that because that, if we're, if we're talking from our faith, that's the only thing that is actually gonna fix anything. Yeah. And so that's where we need to bring people, right? So, but we need to understand and be the, it's better to be the most informed person than it is to be the person going, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and you have, so, if you have that attitude, you have more, better chance of being sucked in to the false. Yeah. Yeah, I've had conversations with tons of people that they just, they don't know. Yeah. They heard something on the radio or they heard something on TV or social media, and that is the gospel. No. <laughs> and it's no. it's not. And it, sometimes it's helping people get past some of that stuff and just showing this. Um, and the conversation with the guy on Sunday night after our um, sermon discussion, and he was talking about an encounter he had um, where they were talking about, um, and, the, and his encounter was with a guy and he was pro, it was during Obama's presidency. and. This guy was telling me that he had read Obama's books, and the guy that he was talking to had not, but he was, this other guy was pro-Obama, and he said, have you ever actually read his books? The guy said, well, no. He's like, well, here's the book, because he had the book. Here's the book, read it, and then we can have a conversation, because then we're both, under, we both had the same level of understanding. We can actually have a real conversation. And that's a problem, is when, we encounter a conversation, one or another person hasn't done enough research. Yeah. Right? And so that's, that can also give us some grace for them. You know, just to have that conversation, say, okay, how about together let's look at this? Mm -hmm. And let's look at every aspect. Let's not just, we'll look at everything and together we'll, we'll talk about this. And so that way it's more of a discovery Thing rather than um, when I talk to teenagers, um, I go, let's, and they ask me a, a Bible question. I said, well, let's look at what the Bible says. And I, we open the Bible together 
and say these are the relative, relative what's the word? The scriptures that we need to look at. <laughs> you know. And we go through those, and then we look at not just a, a verse, but we look at an entire passage so we know what it says, mm -hmm. right? And so it's, it's things like that. It's, it's doing these conversations together. All right? Um, but let's continue on with the, with the stats. Um, I don't have my... Oh, I have that. Okay. We're, we're only going to do this next one because we're already at, the end, at 7 o'clock. Okay. Um, so we'll do this one, and then we'll, we'll stop. So, do people feel there needs to be changes to the police? Okay. So, look at that overall. 58% overall of Americans say major changes. That's really interesting. Okay, that it's an overall more than half the country. Okay. Um, but if we break those down, now, oh, let's before we break them down, look at minor changes. 36%. Do you? That's a huge thing too. That's saying that that's over 90% of the country saying there are issues that we need to address. So this is a poll and these this, are perceived issues. Yeah, these are this is all perception again. Yeah, this is all perception. These are this is a Gallup poll. Yeah. Um, and so they did a huge this was a huge survey. But again, it is perceived. Um, but just that, but just that perception, 90% of people agree that there are changes, rather major changes or minor changes, but they do agree that changes should be made within policing. Now, that, I mean, are we, would we agree with that? That there are at least some changes that may be made in policing? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, because, and the reality is, should there be changes in everything to make it better? And all the time. And all the time. Change. Yeah. Things have to change as life goes on. Right. It's like, okay, back in the 1980s, you had, I think it was the 80s, you had the big shootout down in LA. Um, it was an FBI shootout. Mm -hmm. And that really changed policing in general, both in, for the FBI um, and for law enforcement in general. That's when you started seeing a more uh, more police officers with vests on, you know, and that really changed um, everything, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And as time goes on, things change because things change, you know. Technology. And technology change. The, the, mm -hmm. the cameras. I think the cameras are a great yeah. addition to policing. I mean, um, I, know, I know people that have to wear cameras for, not just for policing, for, but other things because they encounter uh, people in the community and this to protect themselves they wear a camera all the time and so it's just you know as technology so we should always be in favor of change as long as it's needed and it does good right change for change sake is not good yeah if you got one cop and you got three guys testifying against them and there's no cameras what's right or, you know I'm talking like in the 60s 70s yeah, and that helps the other way too, right? And that that helps with if there is. So we're talking about let's let's say police brutality. The camera helps with that. One, it keeps good people. It proves their innocence, right? And it keeps bad people from doing bad things. Well, at least it will try to help, right? 
and then you can get those people that are, whether it be the criminal or the police officer, right? So, um, but if you, we start breaking down, we can see that white Americans are the least likely to say major changes, but they still believe at least changes, right? We're still 50 to 40, you know? Yeah, you're still at 90%. But that knee-jerk reaction to just say, "Oh, we got to change right now everything." We have to disband. Summer, yeah, was you know not productive at all. Yeah, but as we've seen, it's it's been building, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not so much the knee-jerk, but the extremeness of it. Yeah, the is the the what's so crazy about it, right? But again, so this breaks it all down. Major changes, 89% compared to 14% of Democrats versus Republicans. Mm -hmm. And then almost the reverse, right? Now, you do have Republicans uh, saying no changes. And I, and I wonder about that number. I wonder if it's because, because this is in July, if, it, if that's a response of, against the disbanding. If so many say no changes because it's a response to, well, they just want to get rid of them, so I don't want any changes, right? So I I, I wonder that because it's such a different number. Yeah, because if that had been done in say May or April, yes. I'm going to put the numbers right. right. Yeah, and so yeah, it, so it's interesting about some of these numbers. Again, this is why you can't take statistics as final on anything, but it's just to help us kind of see patterns. Um, but then we get down to the, to the age range. Yeah. And what's interesting, again, with these age ranges, this is not a race. It's not done by a race, it's done by ages. And so of all ages, I mean, of all races, right, of all ethnicities, um, when you get to that 40 and, or the, yeah, the 35 and up, you start seeing a decline, right? But it's that 18 to 34 range is really, again, mm -hmm. the younger group really wants changes. Right? Well, Kim, are, where, where is their information source coming from? Right. School, well, media. Facebook. Facebook. Uh, yeah. Media. yeah. Yeah, that's what they get information. Yeah, in fact, really, with this whole thing, right, you can actually follow this by social media. We talked about 2012 with Trayvon Martin. 2010 is when social media really starts going. By 2012, people start having cell phones in their pocket that are not just to call, but to record and to share social media and so you really start seeing this within that realm. And I remember when all of it first started and they were doing, because I was solely focused on youth ministry and going through all the different um, uh, psychological things that comes from social media. And it, it really is a detriment, Not really to anyone, but especially to those that are 25 and younger. It, it actually, rewrites your brain chemistry in a lot of ways. So that's an interesting thing. Really? Yeah. Um, look up Google um, brain chemistry and social media. 
Um, and there's a lot, of, have been a lot of studies done about how it, it can actually mess with your mind. But children are real bad. Um, it's one of the reasons we, for years, didn't allow our children to use, they still can't use social media, but just like a phone. And now they're only allowed to do it like a, uh, like a video game and only for a certain amount of time. And they have to earn that time through schoolwork and so and through chores. But it's very, you know, especially social media, Twitter, YouTube, um, that type of media, uh, TikTok, all these different things. Those things are actually really detrimental to young minds. Talking about that, I've seen smartphones Big smartphone given to two and three year old yep. kids, and they they are so fast. Yeah, that. they learn it because <laughs> yeah. the younger you are, the quicker you are yeah. to yeah. advance your understanding. I mean, they can they can type a hundred words a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the problem is, is it it changes their you know it heightens yeah. aggression. Um, it does a lot of things to to the mind. Yeah. Um, I always tell parent when I was working with parents and they would have problems with their kids first thing I'd ask them is how's their what what's their social media usage oh. mm -hmm. and 90% of them were oh they're on it there's child pornography on Twitter oh yeah it's everywhere uh, there's softboard pornography on YouTube mm. and in ads that um, I had a conversation with two guys and we were talking about this we were they're like, because um, I brought it up. I'm like, I was I was watching this video, and most of the videos I watch are like theological stuff. I just put it on and I just do my work and listen to it. And this video or this ad comes on. Yeah. It's softcore porn. Mm. And I'm like, what? So I asked them about it, and they're like, oh yeah. Like, if you if you even watch a video that's even close to something ads will just come on wow. and it's like yeah. children can mm -hmm. you know yeah. um, one of the guys says he was uh, his mom was playing Candy Crush mm. and one came on and that that's nothing you know that's yeah. like a, a kid game but yeah so it's it's bad yeah, but it's interesting though the more you know this could be another one of those things the more social media usage you have the higher maybe yeah. You know, again, it's just one another factor into this whole thing. So, so yeah. So, ending on this, we have overall 58% of Americans believe major changes need to be made. So that's a huge number, right? Um, 36 believe that minor changes, and 6% believe no changes. And that that should tell us something, um, just in the sense of at least there is a point of agreement right and so a lot of times when i've had conversations with people it's especially those that want to say disband the police or something along yeah. those lines they have it in their minds that you're automatically an adversary right but stuff like this can help us say well, wait a second do you know me or are you just believing what you're saying on social media yeah 
And that's a huge thing. To have a conversation with someone and, and actually have that with that person. A person is not a, a statistic, right? A person has their own thoughts and ideas. And so, as Christians, we need to have the conversation rather than the battle of getting that past that point of, hey, well, let's talk. Do you know my ideas, right? Um, so talk to me as an individual. Don't look at me as a statistic, right? Statistics are good. It kind of gives us an idea. But even the statistics that we've, we've shown tonight are, well, there's 90% of people are in this camp of, there's some, there are changes that do need to be made with policing. So let's talk about that. Let's, let's actually have a conversation here. You know, instead of just saying, well, you, we need to disband. Okay, well, let's, let's talk, right? And get past, that's one of those things that it's an entry point into gospel conversations is first and foremost, it's an individual thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so, yeah. All right, so we're going to end there. Um, and then next week we'll talk about terms. Um, and we'll talk about the systematic racism and all these different terminologies as well. Um, and so, and we're about, as far as slides are concerned, we're about halfway through. So this might be another week, probably two at the most. Okay. So any last thoughts before we end tonight? Just kind of what we talked about. I have a friend whose son was, uh, he's a police officer in Portland. And he mm -hmm. was one of those that was stuck in that uh, building that they- Oh, that, the federal uh, building? Yeah, the federal or building. Or the precinct? That they house. went and, you know, Locked them all, them all up or fixed it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that when you get into dialogue with the people with your ideas and so forth, that you have to find out what's their backstory. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. Bob's growing up in a 100% totally different environment than I did. Mm -hmm. I was the minority. I mean, I lived on a in a very rural part and um, everyone we lived uh, our whole community where, where we lived our housing development was on um, 5, 10, and 15 acre, acre tracks and my, it was just my family and another white family and we're the ones that had the 5 acre tracks all of the Asians and the, uh, I don't remember there being too many Hispanics, but anyway, the black, the, the blacks had, had the, 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 the biggest tracks, they had the biggest houses for where I grew up, so I was the minority, um, and so, and I, I mean, we, you know, my, my family was always in trouble with the black family because our fam our um, property looked the worst because my big brother liked to get dumpy trucks and cars and <laughs> where, where they died they stayed and and that wasn't really permitted the blacks wanted the neighborhood to look <laughs> 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 my, trash, my family was 
and then, then the, 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 too, my, my father was the head deacon of, of the biggest church in town, so um, we, you know, was like, yeah, we had a reputation. Uh, yeah, so I mean, and so I mean, I grew up, you know, totally different than how Bob grew up. So his backstories. And his history is totally different than with there my. Any, there weren't even there was no black people on TV in 1955. I mean, it was I was completely sheltered. Yeah, and and so it just you know, and, and so I mean, I grew up in a different time frame, in a different time bubble than what you grew up in, and with you know, so it's and so that's important. That's all I'm saying is that when you start start a dialogue, you need to. Ask the person and, and say, okay, what what is your backstory? What is your history? What kind of interaction have you had with different race? What interaction have you had with police? Mm -hmm. You know, have you had any positive interaction with police, or has it been all negative? And that's going to change mm -hmm. change your view on everything and what your backstory is. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. And we've we've had this conversation before about in apologetics in general is we should always understand where someone's coming from because that actually helps us share the gospel in a better way, right? And this is really shown with Paul, where with the Jews, he talked a certain way and he brought up certain things because they would respond to certain things. And with the Gentiles, he went a different approach because they had a different mindset. And so when we start understanding someone, it helps us share the gospel better. Um, because we can start understanding who they are and be able to do just that. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing with this, where our goal is to share the gospel because, um, and the reality is the root of all of this is sin. And, it's, um, and so we have to deal with all this, but we have to deal first with sin. It's the, that is the, the problem. And so we, to understand someone really helps go through all that. And there's a lot of pain and suffering too, um, and so have to deal with that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, all right. Well, let's pray, and then we'll be done for the evening. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Um, thank you for the time that we've spent. Lord, as we're interacting with in our in our society, help us to be able to have these conversations, have these ways of insight into people's lives that we couldn't know ourselves and to help us with our with our um, with our conversations to be able to to bring up things that need to be brought up to not bring up things that don't have a point help us by your spirit to cut through uh, the minutia that is all around this whole thing and cut to the heart of uh, the pain and hurt that's going on um, and that we can bring the gospel to it Lord, you are the only one that saves. And so we turn this over to you. So any conversations we have, help us to be able to point back to you, um, back to the cross and the salvation that is only through that. And so help us do it. And I ask as we're all going home tonight, you protect us uh, so we can get home and um, be able to have these conversations later. I ask this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.